come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your polterguide, Kinsey. I'm your polterguide, Donna. I'm your polterguide, Debbie. And polterguide, Adrian. she, she had an errand to run, something, just, uh, but it's fine. It's fine. It'll be fine. It's always fine. Yeah. So this week, we watched the 2014 film from Australia, The Babadook, which those of you that... Uh, um, so let's go around. Have you seen it? Had you not seen it? Did you like it? All that good stuff. Um, Donna, let's go with, we'll start with you. I had not seen it before. Um, I mean, I have, I have been familiar with it in the sense that it was supposed to be really good, uh, but I hadn't seen it before. Um, did I like it is a complicated question because this movie is intense. This movie is seriously intense and there's a lot of feelings, especially if you happen to be a person who has brought a child into the world. There's a lot of feelings in this movie. Um, so yes, I liked it um, at the same time. Whoa, did it make me have feelings? My Debbie? Yes. I watched it with you before my Kinsey in... Um... I have forgotten the name of our class. Oh, Terror, Terror for 101. Terror for 2 101. Terror, Terror for, for two, 2 Tuesday. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I remember back then, uh, and, and maybe even now, I well, I'll, I'll say back then, I didn't like when the Babadook really showed up. I thought he looked silly. Um, and that kind of like took me out of the movie a little bit. I was like, you know, I don't like the visual concept of it um you know this time I've, i i appreciated the movie more for what it was you know I, i'm still kind of like i think the babadook looks silly again a little bit but you know what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i had seen this before um like uh, debbie said and uh, i think i'd even watched it even before we had watched it but um yeah i'd seen it before it is I go through waves because sometimes I really like it. And then other times I'm like, oh, because I have to be in a mood for a slow burn. And I forgot this is a slow burn. So mm-hmm. um, this round I was like, okay, come on, come on, Baba Duck. Let's, oh, let's get going here, buddy. But yeah, it's, it's one I, uh, I do agree with Donna. It is very intense at times. And uh yeah, so I think it just depends on the day I'm having and if I'm hangry or not. <laughs> if I like okay. it. True uh, confession time. All right. True confession time. I somehow, after spending all day yesterday saying, I need to watch this movie, I need to watch this movie, around 9, 9.30 last night, I completely forgot everything. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go to bed early and I'm going to sleep in. And so then I took some medical marijuana All right. um, in order to facilitate that sleep, which, which meant I was um, about, about 10 minutes after I took it, I was like, yeah, 
<laughs> so I was operating on a slightly different level of consciousness when I watched. So what you're saying is, Donna, you may have seen a different movie than my Debbie and I did. <laughs> <laughs> is what you're trying to tell us in yeah. the nicest way. Yeah. Well, for those of you that don't know what the Babadook is about, our good, good buddies at IMDb, they got us. Real as quick, all- <laughs> if I can interject. Um, I, I don't really, I don't really have like a, a synopsis per se, but part of me thought, you know, the Babadook likes, looks like a um, Tim Burton interpretation of Cat in the Hat or something like, <laughs> I don't know. That's just where my mind went. <laughs> There, there you go. This this whimsical remake of The Cat in the Hat by Tim Burton. <laughs> the, the, the version of Cat in the Hat that we all really wanted. That's what this <laughs> is. Well, IMDb is going to disagree with you. And their synopsis is, a single mother and her child fall into a deep well of paranoia when an eerie children's book titled Mr. Babadook manifests in their home. Hmm. I mean, that's a super bare bones version of what happens yeah that is pretty bare bones yeah like i mean i'm not i'm not in love with it but you know it's as always they're not wrong i didn't say they were good but they're not wrong all right so are we ready to uh get into this yeah let me let me say i wrote exactly three notes as i was as i was reading this um and I'm actually going to save the first thing I wrote down for last. The second thing I wrote down was how long is Bugsy going to last? <laughs> because I'm pretty sure at this point, they only put a dog in a horror movie in order to kill him. Um, the third thing I wrote down was really amazing tension building because I found just the tension was really good. The first thing I wrote down is the thing I would like to discuss for just a moment. All right. Does the sound of an alarm make you suddenly question reality? As soon as as soon as her alarm started going off, I legit thought, oh shit, I need to get up. <laughs> <laughs> no, not an alarm, but like uh, when I'm listening to a song driving down the highway and that song has a police siren in it, mm-hmm. I'm looking around because I think there's one around me. It's in the same vein, but not quite the same. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I think it just depends on how good of a sleep I'm having. If I'm having a really good sleep and then that alarm goes off, but side note, I haven't woken up to just an, a normal alarm sound in several plus years. I wake up to, um, uh, a band of my peoples called the wild band of Comanches and it's one of their war songs that they sing. So it, it pops me right out of bed and it's, it's pretty, uh. It's pretty intense, and I, I like it. You wake up to a Comanche war song. Yes, ma'am. Can you, can you give us just a little bit of that? No, because I'm not fluent in Comanche. Um, oh, okay. And, yeah. So, but it's, it is, it's intense, and, I, and I'm here for it. And okay. it, gets, it gets me up in the morning, so. Fair. I think, I think for me, I, I have some very, very realistic dreams. I have dreams where I, I'm literally in the afternoon going, hold on, I don't think that happened. And so, yeah, when, when an alarm wakes me up, when, when an alarm is in a movie or, you know, whatever, um, I, I always have this moment of, oh, this, am I dreaming? Anyway, so yeah, when, when the movie, the movie basically opens with her alarm and uh, 
and the alarm just keeps beeping and keeps beeping, and it made me very angry. I like with this movie, one of the things I appreciate is it showing the mundaneness of life. Like just you get up, you go to your job, you know, you're just... I mean, almost going through the motions sometimes. Like I, I like, was about to say, yeah, like um, like when you're in depression and you are going through the motions, and there's nothing, there's nothing else. Yeah, everything is numb, and you're just doing yeah. the motions. You're on autopilot, and I yeah. like that this movie shows that. And I like, and I appreciate, you know, Donna, you touched on it briefly, the tension, but I like the buildup of when, uh, when they first get the book. And, you know, they read the story and then as as the mom is starting to see different things that look like the Babadook, like the shadow on the wall, just there's a, I mean, it's great tension building in this film. They, uh, Jennifer Kent does a fantastic job of that. Mm-hmm. I liked the, um, I don't know what else to call it other than the colorscape that was very, you know, blacks and whites and grays and things. And, and there was lots of shadow um, in it. And it was one of, it's one of those movies that makes me watch in the background for um, things, you know, happening. And of course, like I saw the, the Babadook outfit, not necessarily Babadook itself, but the outfit was in the background of several scenes. Yeah. Um, and, and, but I was like watching for, you know, things going on in the background I don't think I really saw much other than you know oh that's the outfit that's the outfit that really resembled the outfit you know so it's kind of everywhere she went you know and I liked that you know going touching on the color scheme that you were mentioning that is the color scheme of their home if you see her and Sam out and about it is not that color scheme like yeah like there is a the cinematographer really was very conscious of this is what we're doing for the home when she's out in public. It is this. And I, I yeah. like that, that there's, there's a lot of very conscious choices made. Well, let me, um, I'm going to jump right in and be an iconoclast here uh, because I think, I think we're already at a point where we discuss this. Normally we have a poll at the end as we're, as we're wrapping up, we have a poll. Um, I'm actually going to, have the poll now donna is breaking protocol because she's a rule breaker Uh, (laughs) Uh, yes and our poll question is and you know we've been dancing around it as if you haven't noticed uh we do like to tap dance our poll question is what do you think the babadook is a metaphor for that's a lot of force (laughs) babadook is clearly a metaphor for mental illness probably specifically depression up to and including spoiler at the end you can't get rid of the babadook you can just manage it but yeah i went with specifically trauma which is maybe rorschach testy but you know after i I guess yeah you know i I look up a few things afterwards they're like it's depression it's grief you know it's all these things and i'm like yes yes it's all the things yeah, when I first saw this, I was like, okay, it's it's talking about grief. I like how it's handling it. This this watch, I saw the depression angle for the first time. So once again, Rorschach test, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think you can apply it to what fits the viewer. So yeah. I think you know, I mean, each of us said something different. Each one has value you can apply it to 
to grief, you can apply it to depression, mental illness, all of that. Yes. So yeah, that's my, uh, that's my take on it is the Babadook is mental illness in, in some way, yeah. some form format um, as applies to you. Um, mental illness. Yeah. But that does now make me have a little bit of an issue with the kid going, don't let it in. Don't let it in. Um, because very few of us are like, yes, I think depression for the next five years would be awesome. Come on in. Come on in. All right. <laughs> but you can make the argument for that, Donna. He's a kid. So he's not going to understand how that works. I mean, look at the interaction that they have with he's like he tells his mom i just want you to be happy i think that you know i think just with a child's understanding and him not understanding how grief works how depression works how trauma works is is it's just fitting like it's a i i think it i think his reaction works yeah i i wonder if it's kind of you know he he can see how how it affects the mom so he doesn't want it, you know, the mom to let it in and kind of take control. As the member of the group who has, in fact, raised me to be, I have never felt such sympathy for a character as I felt for her just meetings. I can remember literally fantasizing about sleep the way you might fantasize about ice cream or, you know, you know, something, some sort of decadent pleasure. I was fantasizing about sleep. And I also remember falling asleep while I was sitting up and my head falling back and bonking the, the desk behind me because I just needed sleep so bad. Yeah. And I have not raised a human being, but my sister has, and my friends have, and I have also seen, seen them be in that state. And it's, it's tough because, you know, it's, Again, I haven't raised myself, but I'm, I'm seeing the effects on them. And, um, you know, I remember one time going to my sister's house after she had her second child and uh, being like, let me watch the kiddos. You go get some sleep, take a nap. Like, I think she said she hadn't slept in three days. And so I watched the kids and she went to take a nap. She still couldn't sleep. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel for, you know, I've, I've had a little bouts of lack of sleep and, and you, you, don't, you don't function well, mm-hmm. you know. Another conversation we had, um, I watched this with a couple of friends last night. Uh, we got into a really interesting conversation about some of us were watching this and going, oh, that poor mom. And some of us were watching it and going, oh, that poor kid. Now, to be fair, I think both are valid. But I noticed that we fell pretty firmly into poor kid and poor mom camps right. as we were watching that yeah that is interesting because um i agree both are valid and a lot of my notes are poor mom and i don't know if that is because i've never raised a human child and so i don't know so i'm just like oh that mom you know um you know the the thing the thing is um it's not like if you've got a friend who's annoying the fuck out of you and will not shut up you can tell them to go away. You can tell them, I cannot deal with you right now. Leave me alone. When you've got a kid, you can't. You cannot do that. You have to be there. And, and no matter how tired you are, no matter how frustrated you are, you just you have to be there because this little life is depending on you. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, man, 
the, the closest thing that comes to it is a puppy that annoys you. But you know what? If you put your puppy in a crate, Child Protective Services does not come and take the puppy away from you. No. So, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's really hard. I need to go give my mom friends like more support after having this conversation. <laughs> like, let me watch your children. Go do something for yourself. Let me, let me give you some time. Go to the mall, um, eat an ice cream cone. <laughs> it's it's like um, you know when she was when she was still trying to fight it off, like when she got yeah. the kid tranquilizers. Um, man, did I did I feel that? Like, was oh that my after? God. Like, sometimes I'm really bad with timeline stuff. Was that after the car scene where he had a yeah, I meltdown? Think, yeah, that was after. That was the, very omen like. Yeah, where he had I, had the meltdown. Yeah. Now, at the same time, I did have a ton of sympathy for the kid because it was clear she didn't. I don't want to say she didn't love him, but maybe she didn't like him. Right. Um, it was pretty clear she didn't like him, and. Uh, the kid was just starved for affection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there was one, there was a scene early on and he's hugging her a certain way. And she's like, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. And I can't remember how he was hugging her, but there's yeah. several, there's, there's at least three times early in the movie where she is actively rejecting contact with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it's hard. It's hard to watch. Um, and that, and that's where, and that's where poor kid comes into it. Yeah, I do like the with this film, your sympathy does shift for because the first half when it seems like a family drama, if you will, um, you are kind of like, oh, man, that is poor mom. That's rough. But when it gets to the supernatural aspect of it and you see stuff going on with him, you're like, oh, no, poor kid. She, you know, like I like you. You can be in both camps at, at the same time. At, sure. Talking about the rejection of the kid, um, I imagine that goes to, you know, the, they talk about they were on the way to the hospital for him to be born, and this happens. So that's always going to be connected. And they talk about not celebrating his birthdays, you know, like later in the movie, and that this is his first birthday to celebrate. And um, also, you know, again, not having children or anything, but hearing about postpartum, that there can be a lack of connection or a rejection or you know I don't know what the correct term is for that but postpartum is depression and um I don't know how long it lasts or or what but um I don't know just some thoughts on that is is that you know of course this this life is associated with the death of her husband and also possibly some postpartum stuff going on yeah for sure yeah I even even though the kid is seven I choose to believe that we are also representing postpartum in in what's going on though yeah i think it's you know i mean you you mix in everything that leads up to it i think you can you can make that argument that it's it's a lot um may end up being a short episode yeah (laughs) so the scene where they go to the little girl's birthday party man did i love that scene i love that scene uh where she's sitting there and she's so tired and there's these, what was it, four women just beautifully made up, beautifully dressed, and complaining about how they don't have time to go to the gym. And she just loses it on them. And I, I just was so, that, that whole scene was, was just so great. It was just so great. And she's 
there was there was a feeling quite often to me that she was uh, uh, in addition to grieving her husband she was grieving the life that she could have slash should have had um, i can see that yeah she as she's looking at these at these women and going i should be one of them but i'm not i think that it that scene also is really great because you can there's a lot of different ways you can project onto it where i mean hell just if you've ever been in a group of friends where you don't you know one of them and not the other and you're like i have no idea what these people are talking about this is not me this you know just that isolation if you will like i think that scene that scene works on a lot of levels like when you go somewhere and the people around you aren't nerds I'm around so many nerds every now and then when I get around people like that, I forget. That <laughs> yeah, it's like I sometimes feel like I don't know how to talk to them. Like, <laughs> I, I can't talk about Star Wars. I can't talk about comic books. I can't. Talk, oh, shit. What am I going to talk about? <laughs> yeah. When I say something nerdy, that's like in our lives, just this normal, you know, thing. And people just kind of look and don't have a response. I'm like, OK, not nerds. <laughs> I forget. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had a very similar experience with that. This shirt of mine that I wore uh, it was Star Wars related. And they're like, oh, I like your shirt. And I immediately rolled into, well, this was, you know, this stuff isn't canon, but this person's canon now and blah, blah, blah. And literally I watched both people's eyes glaze over and I'm like, fuck. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Kenzie, anytime that happens, you call me for backup and I will be right there. All right, all right. <laughs> and I will engage with you. And all right we'll get was, them interested we'll was, them we will geek out we will geek out right. <laughs> yep i also had i had i i had to buy a present for someone who wasn't a geek and and i kind of freaked out i was like i don't know how do you how do you how do you shop for someone who's who's not a big giant geek i don't understand it's like what I do you what do you like i can't get them a doctor who mug i can't I can't get them a Stranger Things lunchbox. I don't understand. What do I do? I can't get them an action figure. I can't, you know, I can't get them a pop. I can't get them a pop. You get them a gift card to Target is what you get. Thank you, my Debbie. (laughs) Debbie's coming in with a clinch. Gift card for Target, the go-to. I like it. All right. Uh, So back to this movie. I love the illustrations in the book when they're reading it. Like, I really loved how they looked, you know, just like, and I think that once again, we're going back to that tension that just builds that like, oh, crap, this is what this thing is going to look like. And up until up until the book takes the turn into the really creepy, they look like illustrations that could maybe be in one of the darker children's stories. Yeah, You know, the, the little hand sticking in the door. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, wow. <laughs> we, we don't have anything to say when it's a good movie. I've noticed that movies that are that we may not like like them, but we respect them for what they're trying to do. And it comes across their shorter episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my thought was when, when I first watched it was that it was a, a little on the nose with what what it was. So it's, it's out there, you know, there's not, I won't say there's not a lot to unpack. I guess maybe there could be a lot to unpack, but I feel like there's less to unpack. Just some, some things I noticed was at one point, um, 
I can't remember if it was the birthday party or what, or, or when it happened, but the son was wearing, I cannot remember the son's name. Samuel. Samuel uh, was wearing, he was wearing a top hat and a cape and some gloves, I, I think. And he was, he very much looked like the Babadook, you know? Oh, you're right. Um, and then later when she sees the visual, uh, the hallucination of her husband, he is wearing, and he, and he is standing and his arms look longer. And I think he was, well, he, he may not have been wearing gloves, but because of the way that they did the scenery and the lighting, you know, his, his outfit was black, except for where his like shirt was showing, like kind of like a dress shirt or something. And then his, his hands were sticking out and, so, and his face. And so that was all the, all of the, uh, the light colored areas. And he was standing in the same way that the Babadook stands kind of with arms to the side, but his hands, his palms facing backwards. It was not a natural stance, mm-hmm. um, but I was just something I noticed, you know, that parallel of he looks like the Babadook, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't even think about when Samuel's wearing his magician's outfit that yeah. until you said that just then that I was like, Oh Yeah. Because I was so focused on Samuel, like, I was like, okay, just tell, just do your damn magic trick, buddy, please. I, I became the mom at that scene. So that's why I did not notice. I wondered though, because what Samuel was wearing in that scene was so bright, you know, the mm-hmm. gold sequin cape, the gold sequin gloves, what that meant in the context of the rest of the story, like, like the same visual cues for the Babadook only in bright shiny material that is a good question that we don't have an answer to no so. uh-uh. i mean it i think it really depends on if you're what the babadook what you think the babadook is you know what i mean yeah because if if you're going with depression that you're gonna have better days i guess you know what i mean like there'll be good days and bad days and i think the same thing with also, and, it, and it can work with a grief angle too. That so maybe that's the the color contrast is that you have good days, you have bad days. I don't. Yeah, and and he can be. It could be something where you know he as the son is is related is tied to that trauma and grief and depression. Um, but but he's different. You know, he's not it. He's an innocent. You know. And he he contrasts it so so while he is tied to that it's a contrast i don't know that's i'm, I'm not being articulate with what i'm trying to say but no you're think, fine yeah i think what and correct me if i'm wrong what you're trying to say is is that he's tied to it but it's not his fault yeah yeah okay so the guy at the uh retirement home the one that you know likes amelia and helps her he just kind of disappeared, and I wonder why. Well, I mean, Donna, I think you can, once again, I think it depends on what, you're, what you think the Babadook is. I mean, think about the fr- friends, I'm using air quotes here, gang, uh, that you have, and then when those people see beneath the, beneath the surface that, you know, some, sometimes shit is going on and they can't handle it, they vamoose, and I think that's... I think that's what happened is that, you know, because I mean, he he finds out quite a bit at that moment when he comes to the house, like this is what's going on, blah, 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 blah. And it was not what he thought. And he was not prepared for it. And I mean, we we've all seen that, had that experience. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes me sad, but yeah, 
but actually, yeah, it does kind of go back to, you know, depression, mental illness can get in the way of your relationships. So um, what else? What else we got? Well, do you want to talk about uh, the Babadook's now fame, I guess? (laughs) Yes. So it it seems that the Babadook is a gay icon, um, which does not appear to make very much sense because near as I can tell, there's no gay people in the movie. But um, it seems what happened is Netflix inadvertently listed the Babadook in their list of LGBTQ movies and LGBTQ people being fabulous as they are. We're just like, yes, come into the fold. You are one of us now. And now you can find the Babadook dressed up in rainbows. And um, I just think it's adorable that that happened that way. But yes, the Babadook, the Babadook is a gay icon. And we are here for it. And we are here for it. Yeah, I like that it is now not unusual to see the Babadook at Pride in some form or fashion. I I actually, I really like that. (laughs) Well, what else do we have? Well, I guess, you know, we've talked about how the the Babadook represents, you know, depression, grief, all these things. And also um, the, the mom was actively repressing she was like, we don't talk about the husband. We don't look at pictures of the husband. You know, we don't think about the husband. Yeah. That's just an, just an extra thing. So, yeah. Well, well, actually, and now that you mentioned that, I do want to mention at the end where she's going down into the basement to care for the Babadook. Um, and it almost gets her. And then she talks it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is genuinely representing somebody who has developed good coping strategies for their mental illness. It's not gone, and sometimes it still grabs you. Yeah, but we're managing. So yes, um, I feel like that analogy works really well. Right? Yeah, I did. I did like that because it's 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 not going to go away, but it can be managed, and that's the best you can do sometimes. Yeah, so. yeah, and I like that Samuel even asked her. You know, after she comes back, is like, oh, how was how was it today? And she's like, you know, not not so bad. Like I liked that they were they were communicating which they hadn't they hadn't been doing really at all well and going back to the scene where she's kind of taken over and overwhelmed by by the babadook as the babadook you know um and she you know is choking sam and uh i don't know you know he's 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 just like i'm here mom i'm not gonna leave and he's like stroking her face and she's actively harming him and that like broke my heart yeah that was hard um however one thing i did notice and i really loved that they didn't make a big issue of it they just let it happen as you know in the first part of the movie she is not just avoiding contact with him but really does not like contact with and at the end she's holding him she's cuddling him she's hugging him um so she has gotten past whatever that is And um, which then whether you fell in poor kid or poor mom camp, you are now both together going, okay, this is good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, that was another thing I really liked about how the movie handled that. So, but yeah, I think I think that's all I got to do. I'm done. Let's wrap up. All right. Well, Debbie, you have our quote. If it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the bop duck. Dog, 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 dog. 
Yeah, I think that quote really goes with the whole theme, you know, with mm-hmm. what is mm-hmm. what is the Babadook? What do you see the Babadook as in that quote, man? Any Anything you look at could trigger it and you can't get rid of it. Yeah. Right. We also had a brief conversation about whether book and Duke were supposed to rhyme. And we decided that they really weren't. But it feels like they should. Yeah, visually, yes, it looks that way. Donna, you have a rule. Seek professional help. If you're if you're having if you're having issues with mental illness, get some help before you try to strangle your also don't strangle your all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We always do appreciate your support. And as always, thanks to our editor, Billy, who makes us sound fantastic. Thank you, Billy. Billy Bond. And you can find us on social media. We're uh, on Twitter at Beyond Cabin. We have a Facebook page, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Callista77. Uh, Debbie, where can they get our Instagram and and get uh, your social medias? Yeah, uh, the Instagram is Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. And if you if you want to holler at me, just hit me up there. I run it, so you can find me. Donna, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Dragon Goblin. There's no I between the L and the N of Goblin. Dragon Goblin. Yeah, hit us up on the social media. You know, if you've seen the Babadook, what do you thought of it? What um, you know, what do you see when you watch it? You know, hit us up. We we, we love the interaction and we will we will talk about it with you. Tell us what the Babadook is to you. Open up that ginger snaps can of words. <laughs> <laughs> For reference, please see our ginger snaps episode. Right. I love that that is like our go-to. Like, please see ginger snaps. Just, <laughs> just go there. All right. Once again, thank you guys so much. And don't read the Latin. You know what horror is. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.